Jigsaws were invented for the week after Christmas. As a child growing up in Dublin, at other times of the year there was almost always something more interesting to do. However, in the cold, wet days after Christmas, when pretty much everything was closed, you could while away many hours assembling a 1,000-piece puzzle. Now, a 1,000-piece jigsaw puzzle is not a simple thing. There's no easy way as the pieces tumble out of the box to find a pattern in the confusion. So the logical approach is to assemble the pieces in groups of similar colours, the blue and white of the sky, the red of the barn, the dark brown of the tree bark, and so on. It's only when you've got various areas of the puzzle constructed that you can see how to fit them together. The next few days we'll see a blizzard of news impacting financial markets. For investors, the most logical approach may be to look at the headlines one at a time and then see how they can be linked together in constructing a view of the investment environment. First up this week, the British House of Commons are considering the timing of a general election. While the politics seem interminable, the long Brexit saga appears to be approaching an end. One possibility is that an election will be held before the British Parliament approves the Brexit deal Boris Johnson struck with Europe. Based on current polling, there's a good chance that the Conservative Party will win an overall majority in such an election. If they do, presumably the deal will be then voted through. Or, as Boris Johnson would probably prefer, the House could pass his Brexit deal before an election, allowing him to go to the country as the man who delivered Brexit, again with a good chance of securing an overall majority. If, of course, the deal is not passed by Parliament and the Conservatives fail to secure an overall majority in a general election, the drama will continue. However, the odds on a soft Brexit resolution to Britain's agonising divorce from Europe are gradually rising. The week ahead will also see 157 S&P 500 companies report their earnings for the third quarter, in the busiest week of the earnings season. So far, with 47% of market cap reporting, 78% of companies had beaten analysts' forecasts and earnings. However, these surprise numbers are fairly artificial. Except when entering recession, positive earnings surprises almost always come in between 70% and 80%. More significantly, on a year-over-year basis, operating earnings per share are still tracking down 3.4% for the quarter. This number may yet turn slightly positive by the end of the earnings season, and the fourth quarter should show good year-over-year gains due to a very easy comparison with last year. Still, going into 2020, the pressure on margins is growing, even as revenue growth is slowing, making it difficult to project strong gains in earnings. Part of the earnings challenge, of course, is slowing U.S. economic growth. We estimate that Wednesday's GDP report will show real GDP growth of 1.7% annualised and 2% year-over-year. If this transpires, it will represent the lowest year-over-year real growth in three years. It will thus confirm that the Tax Act of 2017, while contributing to a permanent rise in the budget deficit, had only a temporary effect in boosting economic growth. In addition, data on real consumer spending for September and light vehicle sales for October should provide a glimpse at momentum entering the fourth quarter, which at this stage looks pretty soft with year-over-year growth potentially drifting down further. Still, without any obvious area of the economy poised to go from boom to bust, the GDP slowdown seems just that, and not a slide into recession. This week also sees the second-last Fed meeting of the year. Based on the economic data, there's little reason for the Fed to cut interest rates further. Real economic growth is roughly in line with the Fed's long-run projection of 1.9%, while unemployment is well below their 4.2% target. Meanwhile, although we expect the core consumption deflation to be reported as rising 1.7% year-over-year for September, which is below the Fed's 2% target, it remains relatively stable. In addition, the global economy, while soft, does not appear to be in freefall. Trade tensions appear to be easing, and both the bond and stock markets are sitting on very very healthy year-over-year gains. 
Nevertheless, futures markets are pricing in an expectation of a third consecutive 25 basis point cut in the federal funds rate, bringing it down to a range of between 1.5 and 1.75%. This is largely because the Fed has given no indication that the two rate cuts it delivered in July and September constitute the full mid-cycle adjustment to policy that Jay Powell mentioned at his press conference following the July FOMC meeting. However, while risks remain, the Fed would probably like to wrap up its mini-easing cycle at this week's meeting, and then coast through 2020 with no further movement in rates. Fed officials likely recognize that monetary easing is not particularly effective at countering the trade tensions and supply constraints that have slowed the U.S. economy, and that artificially low interest rates do have some negative side effects. In addition, they would probably like to avoid moving policy in the midst of an election year. However, if they are to communicate this to the markets, they will need to make some adjustments to the language. So watch out for phrases indicating that they see risky economic outlook as balanced and that they will be patient in determining future rate moves. Finally, on Friday, we get the October jobs report. The 46,000 General Motors workers who were on strike during the survey week won't have been counted as employed, and this could contribute to a private payroll gain of less than 100,000 for the month. Conversely, government numbers could be boosted by the hiring in the run-up to the 2020 census. However, for investors, three other issues are probably more important. First, even in a very tight labour market, wage gains appear to have stopped accelerating in the face of pressure on corporate margins. Second, despite strong labour force growth in recent months, demographic trends suggest that labour supply is an increasing constraint in economic growth. And finally, while recent data on unemployment claims show a low pace of layoffs, lacklustre private sector job growth suggests that companies are also pulling back on hiring. How does this all fit together? For investors, the most obvious theme is one of deceleration, slower job growth, slower economic growth and slower earnings growth, all of which point to lower equity returns going forward, particularly when starting from relatively high valuations. However, even more significant is the extraordinarily low level of interest rates. The Fed has delivered these partly in response to low interest rates overseas, the impact of the trade war and global uncertainty such as Brexit. However, over time, these negative international trends should abate. Until they do, market interest rates should remain very low, still favoring equities over fixed income in general. However, as clouds clear overseas, global growth should accelerate relative to the U.S., and the U.S. dollar should drift down, helping international equities outperform their domestic counterparts. Like a 1,000-piece jigsaw, it may take a while for this picture to come together. However, long-term investing, like a jigsaw puzzle, is ultimately a game of patience. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management unless otherwise stated as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. 
J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.